But tomorrow night um, is Man Up Monday at 6.30. Jared will be sharing his testimony and we'll have food and Daniel's going to do some music and the other churches in our community are, are involved in that. So I'd encourage all of our men to come out at 6.30 tomorrow night. And then the other thing that I want to highlight is our fall festival that's coming up. It's a, a few weeks away still, but October 21st, it's a Sunday night. And we're going to start at 3 o'clock, and, and the time on here goes till 8. So you may not want to come for all that, but we wanted to have it early enough for those with, with young kids that they could uh, get them out here. We're going to have the bounce houses from the association we're also going to do a, a hall roast and some games for the kids and have uh, music. So that will be October 21st, Sunday night, 3 to, to 8 o'clock. And I'd really encourage all of you to come out. Also, we want to be inviting our community. Part of what we're doing there is just trying to get to know our neighbors. And so if you have friends or coworkers, family members, invite them to come out and, and enjoy that night with us as well. So I think that's it for now. Jared, you come and read scripture for us. Good morning and welcome to Union Baptist Church this morning. We are glad you're here. We're going to be reading from Psalm 133 this morning. So if you have a copy of God's word, please turn to Psalm 133. As you're turning there, I just want to remind you of our mission statement. We exist to glorify God by growing disciples of Jesus Christ in community. Uh, that's what we're here for. That's sort of our summary of what we're doing Obviously, a lot of things kind of flow out of that, but that's uh, that's who we see ourselves as being and our purpose for being. So uh, you'll notice that's on a card, and if you you find those in a pew, if you flip that thing around, there's a take the next step. I would encourage everyone, whether a member or a visitor with us, to take a look at these cards and uh, fill them out. You can drop them in the offering plate if you want or turn them in after the service, but uh, it's a place for your name and phone number and email and things like that, but it, Gives you the option to tell us if you're a first-time guest or a frequent attender or a member uh, and check off things like you'd like to learn more about the church or about becoming a Christian. You want to talk with a pastor. Uh, you're wanting to get involved with one of the particular ministries that we have. All those things you can indicate on that card and then turn back into us and we can take action uh, that would be suitable for you and your family. So please uh, use that as an option whether you're a member or a visitor. Please take some time to uh, utilize those cards. All right, Psalm 133, it's a song of ascents, a psalm of David. David writes, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. Will you pray with me? Father, what glorious news it is to hear when you have listened and responded to the prayers of your people. And we, we owe this response, God. We owe the, the levels that, that Wayne has uh, discovered to you, God. We see that as directly connected to our prayers and your activity, God, based on those prayers. And so we glorify and praise you and thank you, God, because we have no power in ourselves and prayer in and of itself is not some powerful force, God. It's simply an, uh, a request of those that are in need asking a gracious, generous, glorious, loving God for things that we need. And you have, you have seen, uh, seen those needs, God. You've heard our cries. You have answered those requests. And we praise you and give you the glory for it. We pray that you would continue to be with Wayne, God, as he continues to have cancer, that you would... Uh, move God to sustain him and, and hold him up God if it pleases you to go all the way and bring full uh, eradication of cancer from his body then God we we pray that you would do that God but we uh, we leave him in your hands Lord trusting him and his soul to you believing God that you are at work in him and in this church and we pray God that you would glorify yourself and God you have glorified yourself and we we just ask that you would continue to do so but God, as we, we think about the Word and what You've spoken to us today, You spoke through Your, your uh, servant David and, and we were reminded this morning of the beauty and the appropriateness and even the blessing that comes when Your people are unified. God, as, as Andrew's pointed out in previous sermons, we don't create unity. That unity comes because of Christ, because He, he died 
and purchased a people for your name. And he has gathered us together here in this body as one expression of, of a multitude and a countless vast uh, number of people, God, that you have rescued from sin. We are one expression of that here. And it, your, your word to us this morning is that it is right and proper and even blessed for us to be unified. So God, help us to be unified. Help us to, to be to not just in the, the, the sense that we are unified in Christ, what you've already accomplished, but God, your word tells us to be uh, eager to maintain that unity. And so I pray for that to take place in our lives and our hearts, that that would be the, the uh, atmosphere, Lord, that the culture of our church is a bunch of people redeemed by the blood of Christ and made to be one in a real sense, but God, that we would be working to, to cultivate that oneness, that we would be acting as if we're one, thinking as if we're one, speaking as if we're one, God, remembering that we have been united in Christ. And so all the things that would divide, God, all the things that would come in and, and, and bring dis, uh, disunity, all the things that would sort of splinter us and fracture us and cause us to go away from one another as if dispersed at Babel, we pray, O oh God, that you would reverse that here in this place, God, that you would draw us together in real and tangible and beautiful expressions of unity. And God, that you would indeed let the blessing that is on a united people rest upon Union Baptist Church, that we could exist, God, for your glory, that we would exist, God, in, in for your glory in making disciples and, and that they would go out and, and rescue and teach and disciple others. And God, that it would just be a beautiful, ongoing activity as we learn to walk in the unity that you have given us, God. And we thank you and praise you for it. In Christ's name, amen. Hi, Union Baptist Church. Josh Hutchins here in the country of Malawi. Yes, we made it here, and we are living here and serving the Lord here, thankfully because of your prayers and your support. Uh, I want to give you a picture of why we're here and what we're doing behind me. We have 81 pastors here this week at our Lower Shiri campus. That's the most southern region of the country of Malawi. Last week, we had 80-something pastors at our Zamba campus, the city that we live in. And so over the past two weeks, about 160 pastors have been learning how to read and study their Bibles for themselves so that they can then go and teach their people uh, how to do the same thing. So thank you so much for making this possible. Keep praying for us and pray for these guys as they're studying, as they're trying to grow closer to the Lord. We are all about glorifying God by growing disciples who make disciples. And I just want you to get a glimpse of how that is taking place right now in the country of Malawi. Thank you. All right, if I could have our ushers come forward at this time. And uh, that's just an update from Josh who we... Uh, recently took on in in support a missionary in Malawi and uh, they're they're there the the principal thing he's doing is not planning churches but but discipling and training pastors Josh has a, a PhD from Southern Seminary he's a very gifted teacher uh, very very smart and uh, these pastors we think of pastors uh, you know having a lot of education and a lot of training but these pastors who are pastors in these churches in Malawi many of, many of them don't even know the basics of the faith. They've been saved and God has called them into ministry, but they didn't grow up in church and they don't know the Bible like like even an average church member here would know. And so they're in desperate need of, of this training uh, for the good of the churches that they lead. And so Josh is doing a, a very important work there. Let's continue to pray for, for him, continue to give that we might be able to support him and, and other missionaries like him. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we're... We're thankful that we live in a country and many of us uh, were privileged to grow up in church, to be taught your word from a, a young age, to be trained, to be discipled by other godly people uh, so that we have a familiarity with, with your word. Lord, we recognize that in many places in this world that is not the case. People may have heard the gospel and believed in Jesus Christ and yet know very little else about the Bible. And so we pray for Josh Hutchins and Stacy Lee and their family. God, protect them. We, we know that they have several children uh, and, and uh, even one with, with some special needs. And so we just pray for your, uh, the super abundance of your blessing on their family life. Protect them, guard them, uh, give them joy in the ministry that they're doing. 
And then we pray specifically for Josh and the work that he's doing. We pray that it would be effective. We pray that those 160 pastors would be trained effectively to lead their churches uh, so that they can they can grow and and mature in in the faith and that they might be able then to reach others for the gospel. God, bless us this morning. We, we need your hand. We're, we're deeply aware of our inadequacies and we need your help. And we pray for that in the name of Christ. Amen. And if you would take your Bibles this morning and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at these same verses really that we looked at last week. We're going to kind of look toward the end of that section though. And um, we just are, are reminded, or at least I want to remind you, why, why do we do this? Why do we pick out books of the Bible and preach through them systematically? And uh, there, there might be several answers that you could give. One is because all of the Bible's inspired. All Scripture, First Timothy says, or Second Timothy 3.16, is, is breathed out by God. It's inspired by God. And all Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so we don't just pick and choose our favorite verses, uh, but we systematically go through books of the Bible because we want to hear everything that God says to His church. And uh, we also do it because I'm a sinner. And if it was left up to me, I might just preach on the things that I like and uh, avoid those things that are difficult or challenging to me or to us as a church. Uh, but as we do this, we, we see the whole counsel of God. So Ephesians chapter 4 now, if you're there, in verse number 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says... When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness in deceitful schemes rather Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We remember in the context, as Jared prayed this morning, uh, he reminded us that the context of uh, what Paul has been teaching is that we are one in Jesus Christ. Uh, in the Old Testament, there was this division between Jews and Gentiles. The Jewish people were the people of God and Gentiles were not a part of the people of God. But now through Jesus Christ, all peoples, all different ethno uh, groups, ethnic groups, and, and all different nations have been brought together and united in one in Jesus Christ. There's no longer Jew and Gentile. Paul says in Galatians, there's no longer rich or poor, slave or free, male or female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's what Paul has been teaching. Paul explained in chapter 3 uh, that this was his great ministry that he had been entrusted with specifically was to make this was to make this known that salvation was available for all people, that they could be included uh, in the promises of the Old Testament of salvation and redemption. And Paul prayed for the church that they would experience this, that they would know the love of Christ at the end of chapter 3. And then Paul exhorted in chapter 4, in the first few verses, he exhorted us, he's saying, now because... Now because Christ has given you this unity, don't do anything to mess it up. Don't hamper that unity. Instead, make every effort, be eager to maintain the unity uh, in the bond of peace. And so he calls for that in the early part of chapter 4. 
But we saw last week that he transitions a little bit and he goes from talking about our unity, the fact that we have uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all who's through all and in all. He, he transitions from saying this is unity, unity, unity. And now in verse number seven, he says, but there is individual grace that has been given to each particular member. So we're all one. We're all one people of God. We're all one body. We're all one church. We're all one temple. And, and we all have one Savior. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. There's unity. But there is an individuality to the church in that God gifts people in a particular way. He gives us different measures and different kinds of gifts. These grace gifts that we talked about He's going to talk this morning about the body of Christ and use that metaphor. Talk about us growing up and maturing as, as a body. You know, it's something I just want to kind of remind us. I've, I know that I've mentioned this before, but sometimes when people talk about the body of Christ, they talk about it in sort of a universal sense in which every believer all over the earth throughout time has made up the body of Christ. And they kind of morph out of sort of the particular local church and they just think about this grand assembly. And there, there may be truth to that. But this morning what I want to remind us is that our, our experience of the body of Christ always comes in local particular churches. In other words, if we just keep this idea of the body of Christ as this sort of ethereal, uh, kind of out there, mystical body that we're all loosely connected to, and, and we allow that to keep us from being connected in a, in a vital and in a living way to a local, particular, actual church, then we're missing the point. We only experience the body of Christ. Listen, we only experience the reality of the body of Christ in a particular local church. You don't experience it uh, anywhere else. Whether we're talking about love for one another or our use of gifts or our responsibility to train and teach, encourage and edify, you cannot rightly experience those things in any kind of consistent ways in an abstract sort of universal church kind of way. It's only as you come into a relationship with a local particular manifestation of the church that those things can be a reality for you. The point is this, as we consider the body of Christ, in one sense, we might think of all Christians making up that body, but as it pertains to our experience of it and the application of these truths, they are only real to us within the context of a particular local church, a tangible representation of the body of Christ. And so I think that's just an important thing for us to sort of have an emphasis and, and place an importance on the local church. And the reason that I do that is that in, in, in Christianity, and maybe you've never thought of this, but, but oftentimes within the, within Christianity and with even, within the evangelical movement, there's an emphasis on the universal church that neglects local, uh, church life. And I just think that is a, a, a misnomer. It's a misunderstanding. Now, let's dig into this text. The, the big idea, I put that on the back of your bulletin along with uh, something that you can keep notes with. But I want you to be able to look back and reflect on these things. Uh, but the big idea is this, a, a properly functioning church body. That is a, a church where people gifted and equipped saints are doing ministry results in corporate maturity. That is collective maturity. And what that looks like is a unified faith and a collective conformity to Christ. So let's just say that without all the kind of appendages to that statement. A properly functioning church body results in corporate maturity, collective maturity. So when we are operating as an organism, as a church body, when we are operating as we ought to, it results in all of us collectively maturing and growing in the faith. Now let's just remind ourselves first this morning we're going to talk about the, the process of maturity. How does maturity happen in a church? And the answer to that is that a properly functioning body, gifted and equipped saints doing the work of the ministry. Gifted and equipped saints doing the work of ministry is the New Testament process whereby maturity happens. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit. We remember in, in chapters, uh, or in verses seven and eight, 
that we get this picture of Jesus as, as he resurrects and as he ascends back into heaven. He's been victorious over his enemies and he, and he has won, uh, he has won some benefits for us, his people. As a victorious king who is ascending back into heaven in verses 7 and 8, we get the picture of him now pouring out these gifts on the church. He's earned them for us and he's giving them to us. And we talked about those, those gifts. Those are those divine enablements. God or Christ gives each of us a gift, a way that we can serve him, a way that we can serve one another. And he gives each of us uh, those gifts, they came, they come as a result of his victory, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension back into heaven. In other words, what we see in these verses, that all the necessary parts, all the necessary parts for our growth have been supplied to us. There's nothing that's lacking in, in this church. There's, there's nothing that's, that's lacking. If I were to say to you, okay, here are all the parts. Now you can build a functioning engine. Right? You, you could do that, maybe, if you're, if you're mechanical, right? You could put it all together and you would have a functioning engine, something that, that will work. I couldn't do that. Uh, I would not be able to. I'd be lost. But some of you could take, if you had all the parts and you could put it together and have a functioning engine. Well, in a sense, that's what we're saying that Christ has done. You all are the parts to this functioning engine. This is just a different illustration because the, the illustration that Paul uses is that of a body. Right, We all have different parts of our body. And what this text is telling us is that as a result of the resurrection and ascension, Jesus has equipped His church with every functioning part that is needed to cause the body to grow. Now, think about this. If you don't have each part of your body, then normal growth will not occur. Children who are, are born with some kind of medical issue uh, some some body part that is missing or some body part that is not properly functioning, what's going to happen? There will be delays, developmental and, and, and cognitive, physical kind of delays. They're not going to grow in, in a normal pace because some part of their body is not functioning rightly. And, and, and it's a sad reality. The same is true with a church. Christ has equipped Union Baptist Church. He has given us every part that we need in order to function and to grow as a church. And if all of us are exercising our gifts, if all of us are using the gifts that Christ has given to us, we will be a normal, functioning, growing church. And He's given every part. There's nothing that's lacking here for us. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, where Paul also talks about this body metaphor, says this, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So if you're here, it's because God has placed you here and, and you have a purpose here. You have a function here. You're a part of the body. You may not be a visible. You may not be uh, have some some great ornate job that you do. Your job and your function might be small. It might be little known or little seen. But but it is an important part to be uh, to us to be a normal functioning body. And when that happens, when all of the parts that Christ has placed in the church, when they're all working rightly, the church grows. We see this in in verse number twelve. Look at verse number 12. He has given these gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Listen to this. For the building up of the body of Christ. Saints who are gifted and equipped, who are doing the work of ministry, build up. They, they cause the body to grow. They build up the body. Again, you see this in verse number 15. This is the same thing that, that he's saying here. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. We grow up as a church through these saints, through you doing the ministries that God has equipped and gifted you to do. We then grow up into Christ, into our, our head. This process of growth happens through that. And again, one more time, look at verse 16. Maybe the clearest statement from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, 
makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The body of Christ grows, not because the pastor is some great eloquent preacher, not because uh, not, not because the, the, the music is just so wonderful. Not, not because any one particular person, but when every member is working properly, that is, everyone is using their gift that Christ has given to them as a result of His resurrection and ascension, when each part is functioning rightly, it makes the body grow. And so that is what we see here. A properly functioning body makes the body grow. This doesn't mean, then, that we are independent from Christ. It, we, we, we make ourselves grow, but it doesn't mean that we're independent from Christ because we, we realize that it is Christ who has given these gifts. It's Christ that supplies us with the energy to use these gifts. It, it is also Christ who, again, in 1 Corinthians 12 says that He has placed each member in the body. So we're dependent on Christ, but, but in this sense then, the body causes its own growth. Growth in this, I, I want to just make sure that we're speaking the same language. Because unfortunately, I think too often when people hear the word growth and they think about church growing, they only think of numeric growth. They think, well, a church growing means there are more and more and more people here. But the kind of growth that Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, this kind of growth is not a numeric growth. He's talking about spiritual growth. He's talking about maturity. Listen, we just need to understand that, that numeric growth is actually a function of several different things. And some of them are spiritual, and, and sometimes other of them have nothing to do with spiritual matters at all. Let me let me tell you and give you a few reasons why a church might grow numerically. One, numeric growth can come as a result of maturity and God's blessing, and it often does. When when God blesses His people and when when every part is growing and maturing, people then are going to be begin to evangelize. They're going to begin to disciple, and numeric growth often occurs as a result of that. And so we we don't want to downplay that. Uh, a, a healthy church usually is a growing church. But there are other things that, that make a church grow that have nothing to do with spiritual matters at all. If, if our population, I think it's something around 8,000 people in Hancock County, if some new industries moved into Hancock County and our population you know, went, boomed and it went from 8,000 to 30,000, guess what? The, the churches would probably grow too. If the community is growing, the churches will probably be growing. Does that have anything to do with spiritual spiritual realities? Does that have anything to do with... No, it's just the community's growing. More and more people are looking for churches. And so that is not necessarily a sign of God's blessing or, or of growth. There's also another thing that can cause growth. Sometimes churches can use artificial methods. To, to produce growth. Much like a, a human being might use uh, steroids or, or might use growth hormones. There, there's a sort of artificial growth that, that is brought about. And churches sometimes can, can use means that are not prescribed by God in order to grow numerically. And again, it doesn't, it isn't a sign of, of any good spiritual things happening. It's just, uh, it's, it's just artificial growth, which is not a healthy kind of, of growth. Churches, for instance, can use worldly methods to bring growth in the church. And often, this is, this is what happens. The church can, can begin to see their worship time as some kind of show that is meant to entertain. And guess what? People in the world love to be entertained. And if you can throw in a little spirituality with it, that's a double blessing. There you go. Okay, I'm really entertained. It's fun. It's a it's a lively environment. There are there's smoke and there's lights and great music and the the preaching is just inspirational. It makes you feel good and and everything's great and uh, people love a show. That that can be a sort of artificial growth. We need to be reminded of the old adage that says this: "What you win them with is what you win them to." If you get people into the church because of a program, because of a youth program, or because of music, or uh, because of a, a pastor that's just so positive and encouraging, and uh, you know that that kind of thing, what you win them with is what you win them to. 
they're, if they're only here for the music or for this program or that program, that's not going to be a sustained kind of growth. And that's what churches often do. Churches can also water down the message, right? There are things the world doesn't like to hear. So the church can kind of water that down, dilute it so that it becomes a message that's palatable to, to the world. And, and churches can grow. As a result of that, you see that on, on television with churches like Joel Osteen, who is, is preaching between, to, to thousands upon thousands of people, but he's not preaching the gospel message. He, he's not preaching the truth of God's word. He, 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 at one, one time in an interview said, uh, they, they asked him, don't, you don't ever preach on judge, the judgment of God. You don't ever preach about hell. And he said, you know, that's just not my message. Well, the Bible is the message of preachers, and we better be preaching all of the Bible. You see how you can dilute the message down and you can fill a stadium full of people. Okay? And so there's artificial kind of growth. But that's not, that's not maturity. That's not the kind of growth that Paul is talking about here. He's talking about a maturity, a, a spiritual growth that, that can happen. In fact, one of the most dangerous things for churches is that they can have a lot of numeric growth without maturity without spiritual growth. When you get large numbers of people together who are not spiritually mature, that almost always ends in tragedy. And you see this in, in church life. You will see churches that, man, they just begin to grow and there's more and more numbers. They're, they're packed in. And the next thing you know, something happens. There's this big explosion and everything just falls apart. There was some scandal. Somebody was embezzling money. Somebody had an affair. There was some kind of immorality. There's some kind of church split. Why does that happen? Because there's great numeric growth without spiritual growth. And so we as a church, we just need to keep our eyes on, on the focus. Because guess what? God is the one who gives numeric growth. That's not something that we can do. In the book of Acts, it says that God was adding to their number daily such as as who as were being saved. And again, we remember 1 Corinthians 12. It is Christ who arranges the parts in the body. Numeric growth comes, if it's, if it's genuine and authentic growth, it comes as a blessing from God. It's not something that we can, that we can create, that we can generate. And if we are generating that growth ourselves, it's artificial growth. It's not good growth. What we need to be focused on as a church is spiritual growth, the maturity of the believers, the building up of the saints of God. That's what a church should focus. And if God so chooses, He can bless. He can bring in great numbers of people as He did on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people were saved. But that is an act of God. That is God's business. It is our business to grow disciples and to bring them into maturity. I'm not saying there that we should not evangelize, that we don't reach out in the community. I'm not saying that we need to do that. But we don't have the, the power to bring that kind of numeric growth. We need to focus on this spiritual growth because that is what he's talking about here. And so we see that growth or maturity happens through gifted and equipped saints doing the work of ministry. We see in verse 7 that these divine gifts are given, these grace gifts. Grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. And we know there are all kinds of gifts listed in the New Testament. There are gifts like teaching and hospitality, encouragement, counseling, exhortation, help, preaching, uh, musical kind of gifts, generosity, faith, service, leadership, acts of mercy, and the list goes on. When you look to the New Testament, you don't find any one complete list of these gifts that are given. I think the reason is there are a whole host of gifts that Christ gives to His church. And they're going to be as... First Peter says they're multicolored. They're, they're all kinds of different gifts and there's different amounts of them. I think one helpful category that is given in First Peter is that he seems to arrange them in speaking gifts and serving gifts. And we might think of those two general categories. There are speaking gifts and serving gifts. But these gifts were given... Uh, and we see that there were some particular foundational gifts that were given in verse 11. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And these are foundational, we said last week, because these are those who are, are gifted in a way to train and to equip the saints of God. And that's what he goes on to say in verse 12. These 
prophets and apostles, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So there are some foundational gifts that are, are meant to be used to equip everyone else who is also gifted that they can use their gift in the service and, and, and in ministry. If you've been hired at a, a new job, you may have all of the physical and cognitive things that you need to do that job. You may have the right intelligence. Uh, you may have the right physical strength to do the job. But don't you need to be trained about how to do the job? I don't know that I've ever had a job, no matter how simple the job was, that some level of training wasn't needed for to, to do that job. You know, I had all the abilities. I had the, the intellect or the cognitive abilities. I had the physical abilities, but I needed to be equipped. And that's what, that's what Paul is saying here. All believers have been gifted by Christ. You've been given a gift, but now you need to be equipped to use that gift. And that is the role of the apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the shepherd teachers. And so, each member of the body of Christ has been gifted and equipped to do the work of ministry. And it is when, listen to this, because this is the important thing that we're looking at this morning. It is when these people, you all, let me just say you all, it is when you who have been gifted by Christ and you've been equipped by Jared and Vance and myself to do the work of ministry, it's when you begin to do the work of ministry to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body, it, that it is then that the church begins to grow. We see this in verse 12. It is for the building up of the body of Christ. In verse 13, until we attain unity and maturity. In verse 15, we grow up into Christ. In verse 16, when each part is working correctly, properly, it makes the body grow. It builds itself up into love. That's not just something I do. I equip you for that work. I equip you and prepare you, but Christ has gifted you and now you go out and do the work of ministry and it's when that happens that the church begins to grow and to mature. I see this happening in, in our church. I'm going to give a few examples, but I don't want you to think that these are the only examples. These are just what readily came to my mind. Uh, I, I look at my wife, Bonnie, and uh, I, can, I can pick her out because I'm scoring some brownie points. Although now that I've said that, I probably don't get brownie points for that. But, but I look at Bonnie and I, I see somebody who's been gifted by Christ in the area of hospitality. We, we open our home uh, almost every week. Sometimes we meet here at church, but, but she's the one that does that. She prepares our home. She prepares a large part of the meal. She makes sure that the house is prepared and ready. I, I, I think most people would say, hey, you want to have 20 or 30 people over to your house every week? Would, would say no, but she's gifted by Christ to do that. And as a result of that, as a result of her faithfully using that gift, she's not even in here, is she? Well, daggone it. She's definitely going to have to listen to this later. But as a result of that, we've been meeting for several years now and praying together, studying the Word of God together. Uh, we've grown closer. One of the things that we want to see at, at, at UBC here is, is a deep sense of community. And uh, we're seeing that happen because she's using that gift. And there are others. Again, I was trying to score some brownie points here, but there are others who are doing the same thing, who have been gifted in that area of hospitality. We have deacons who have clearly been gifted in the area of service, who who I don't even have to mention anything. They, they see a need in our building, in our facility, and they jump on it before it ever even becomes a problem and take care of it. I, I think most of us are glad this morning that, that we have air conditioning. Uh, I, I, I wasn't sure which way I was going to have to go with that because it's October in Kentucky, so I might have had to say, uh, you know, we're glad that we have heat or we have air conditioning, but, but right now we're still needing air conditioning. I think most of you are glad that we're meeting in a building where there's air conditioning and we can sit comfortably to read and study God's Word and to worship God. That's a result of gifted people who are using that gift for the glory of God and for the building up of the body. We have people like Pam and Lindsay and Stephanie who have all been given gifts in, in the area of teaching. 
And they're faithfully using those gifts to instruct our women and our students and, and our children. And as a result of them using those gifts, people are being built up in the body of Christ. Maturity and growth in the Lord is happening as a result, not of me, not of me, as a result of you all, as a result of these people using their gifts. Praise the Lord. This is the way that church growth happens. This is the way maturity happens. So we might ask, just by way of application, what, what gift have you been given? Because Christ ascended on high and He has given gifts to every one of you. If you are a believer, if you are a child of God, if you are one of Christ's followers, He has given you a gift. And so what is that gift? And then are you using it to do the work of ministry. Look, he says he, he's given these gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry. What this means is that the, the model that is prevalent in the evangelical church in which there are a few who do ministry and everyone else sits back as spectators of that ministry and, and receives the benefit of that ministry, that model is bogus. It's not biblical and it doesn't work out well. The church that is built in that way, that is a big show and a few people are the entertainers and everybody else are the entertained, that is not a healthy model of church. We want to be a church in which all of the members of the body are working well and functioning as they are to do. And so, this is what we are called to do. We might think of those people that I just mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, what, what if those people were not using their gifts? What if I didn't show up to preach each, each week? And you say, well, you're, you're paid to be here. Okay. So that's maybe not a great example. Okay. But, but, but what if our deacons didn't serve? What if they didn't maintain the building? It would be falling off. We would be sitting in a very hot building. I can tell you that right now. Uh, what, what if people weren't willing to use their gifts of hospitality? We would not be seeing the kind of community that, that is happening here. What if, what if Pam and Lindsay and others were not using their gifts of teaching? Well, well, we wouldn't have children and women and students who, who are growing and maturing in the faith. And so, uh, we need to recognize that whatever part you are called to play, you need to be faithful in that. You say, well, I'm not a teacher. Like, like Pam or, or, or Lindsay or these others. I'm, I don't have that big role in which, I, well, you play some role in the church. And you need to identify that and use that gift because it's when you begin, each of us begin to use that, that the body will grow. Now, what we need to see also is that this is a corporate process. Maybe you've never thought about that before, but this morning you need to realize that, that Christian growth Maturity in Christ is a corporate process. Do you know what I mean by the word corporate? Not like a corporation, although that, that is what the word means there too. Uh, but, but it means a collective. It's all of us. Your individual growth, my individual growth, is a collective process. It, it's all of us working together. Look at verse number 13. He says in verse 13, well, read verse 12 again, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You see it even there. It's the building up of the body. Not just one part of the body. Ryan, Ryan works out, but he, he works out all of all different muscle groups in his body. He'd look really weird if he just worked out one arm, really, really, and one arm got like Popeye, and the rest of him was like, Little Ryan before, right? Uh, no, but, but that would be strange. And, and so it is the way that we grow, right? We don't just grow individually. We grow corporately, collectively as, as a body. But read again at, at verse 13. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood until we all attain this until we all get there that that word until is the idea that this process of gifted and equipped saints doing the work of ministry that is a process that continues until you arrive at this point 
It, it keeps going. It keeps happening. Ministry needs to continue to happen until we all arrive at this place of maturity. That word attain it has the idea almost of, of traveling and getting to this point. And so the idea is that ministry is happening. Gifted and equipped saints are doing the work of ministry until we, are, we get where we're going. We've got a destination. There's a, a place that we're pushing forward to. And until we all get there, we need to continue this process of gifted and equipped saints doing the work of ministry. And it is, you see there in verse 13, it is until we all, until we all, Get there. It is a corporate, collective process. And in, in, in verse 12, as we've already seen, it is for the building up, not just of individual parts, it is the building up of the body of Christ. In verse 13, it is uh, we together, it says here in verse 13, that measure up to the fullness of Christ. And so the picture is, here's Jesus Christ. And, and we get a picture of Him in our mind. And, and what it's saying is, now here's the church. And this church is growing up. It's maturing until we, as the body of Christ, together, collectively, look like Jesus Christ. He was fully grown, fully mature. Uh, he was perfect. And we're in the process of growing up and maturing until we all look like Jesus Christ. You see, your growth, your spiritual growth, isn't just about you as an individual. Yes, you need to be like Christ. But together, we come together, we form the body of Christ, and we grow up together until we get to this place of maturity where we look like Christ. Look at verse 13. Let me just read it. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the picture, the analogy that he's using is this Christ who's a full-grown, mature, and the church is like Him, but it's growing up, it's maturing until we reach that point. Verse 16, we also see that, that our growth is in, it's interdependent. It is interde interdependent growth. And so look at verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together that Christ is the head and the whole body is attached to Christ and, and it's held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It makes the body grow. Not just one individual. We grow together. You understand what this means? I'm dependent on you for my growth in Christ. I, I, I can't grow as I need to grow on my own. And, and guess what? You're dependent on me for your growth in Christ. We, we need to all be working together so that we grow up into Christ. What this means then is that, the, that God's plan for your growth, God's plan for your growth is a plan that involves you being connected to other believers. So if you have the idea this morning that it's just me and Jesus and I got my Bible and I can grow and mature and develop as a believer just disconnected from everybody else. Well, you know, I am a part of the universal church. I'm a part of the big body of Christ, but I don't need to be connected to any other believers in order to grow and mature. Respectfully, based on this passage, you are wrong. You need the church the church needs you. We're interdependent in our growth in spirituality. It's a, it's a group process. It's a corporate process. It's a collective process. Christian growth is a collective process. We all need each other. I'm dependent on you for growth and you are dependent on me. An arm, I said last week, an arm that is disconnected from the body is not going to grow. And an individual Christian disconnected from the body of Christ is not going to grow. That is not a healthy, uh, a healthy scenario. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talked about and, and said, uh, you know, that the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. 
We often think about that in terms of the church and we say, yeah, we all need each other. But, but you know, if you, if you're saying, I can be a Christian out here on my own and I can just develop and grow as a Christian, what are you saying if you're not saying, I have no need of the rest of the body? I don't need eyes. I'm a hand. I'm a doer and I can just, I can go out and do those things on my own. I can do ministry. I can serve. Not if you're disconnected from the rest of the body. A hand that is cut off from the rest of the body is, is not a healthy scenario. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. If you remain detached from a local church, from a group, whether it's this church or another church, if you r- remain detached from a representation of the body of Christ, that is exactly what you're saying. I have no need of the body of Christ. This morning, we, we need each other. If we're going to grow, and again, not just numerically is not what I'm talking about. If we're going to grow as believers, if we're going to grow in our faith, if we're going to grow in maturity, we need to be connected in a vital in a real way. Let me just say something about this. What this means is, number one, you need to be associated with, you need to be connected in terms of a formal membership with, with a church. I think that's a, a clear implication of this. So that's not what that uh, says. It's a clear implication of this. You need to be a member of a local body of Christ. But what it also means is this. You need to be actively participating. To, to put your name on a roll and say, well, I'm a hand over at Union Baptist Church, it, it, it doesn't do any good, right? It, it, you are only helping others and you're only being helped as you become a participating bo- member of the body. If you're, if I've got an arm here that doesn't work and it's just like an appendage that's hanging off, the muscles aren't working, something's wrong, the nerves aren't there, what good is that, is that doing me? It's not doing me any good. I, I can't move it. I can't feel. There's, there's nothing there. That's what it's like when members of the church are not actively participating in the ministry of the church. So not only do we need to be connected to a church, but we need to be actively serving in whatever gift that God has given to us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to You this morning and... We want to pray, Lord, that you would help each and every one of us identify the ways in which you've gifted us. And then, Lord, that you would give us the zeal to use those gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. Lord, help us help us get rid of any notion of of independence. God, we are dependent in every way upon you. And not only that, we're dependent on one another. God, we like to act as if we can we can do it on our own. We like to act as if our, our Christian life is just something that we live out in, in isolation, but Your Word in every corner of it strikes against that. God, help us to see ourselves as interconnected. Help us to see ourselves as members, as part of, of a living body. Help us to be faithful, to use the gifts that You've given us that we might build each other up. Lord, we desire as a church to reach a place of maturity. We, we desire to be uh, rooted and grounded in the truth. We, we desire to grow up into Christ. We desire for Union Baptist Church to be a, a living representation of the body of Christ. And we pray that you would affect that in our congregation. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.